morning, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to bounce around the six chapters we read this week. And you will swear a guy with ADHD wrote this sermon. (laughs) Even Jeremy said so. I let him preview it. So, it's been a long couple of years with uh, everything going on. And uh, um, last Sunday, as we were here, we were praising and worshiping, learning more about God and how to apply His Word into our life. Um, I received word afterwards that my Uncle Jack had passed away. Uh, He went to meet God face to face. So praise God for that. Uh, It's to Him that I dedicate this sermon, and may He rest in peace. So this sermon, uh, as I said, is like someone with ADHD wrote it. We will bounce around, back and forth, to and fro, left and right. You'll be like, what is he doing? You can ask them on the computer when I handed them the list of of, uh, verses, scripture, that we're going to go through. It was a little sheet of paper, front and three quarters down the back. So, we've got a lot to go over. We will hit every one of the chapters, though not everything in all the chapters. So this is uh, David's Psalms of Lament. If you don't know what a lament is, basically it's just uh, a a sorrow, a a time of grieving, a time of being scared, a time of needing God so much that you're like, Lord, I don't know what to do next. I need you. And so we are going to go through that. And so if you read it, the very first two words you saw last week in chapter 12 in Psalms, verse 1 was, Lord, help. And so let's take a look at uh, Psalms 12, 1 and 2. And uh, I'm going to bounce around between the New King James Version and the NIV, so um, you just have to bear with it. And, uh, yeah. So help, Lord, for the godly man ceases. For the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak idly, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. Does it remind you of how people are today? This was written about 3,000 years ago, and yet we can still relate to it. And why is this familiar? To figure this out, we're going to jump to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new? It has already been in ancient times before us. Here it is talking about the attitudes and the hearts of man, of men, not technology. There are many things that are new that wasn't there then. This is talking about the attitudes and hearts. So last week, Jeremy asked how many of us trust the news media. Do you all remember that? There were very, very, very few people that raised their hand. Most of us did not. 
Uh, I have not trusted the news media since 1992. This happened during the 1992 presidential campaign when I was watching the news and I was watching several different channels. And I began to see the manipulation and the lies that were put out there, the half-truths. And uh, I just began not to trust them to tell me the truth. And so I'd see bits of truth in each one, but never the whole truth. Does that sound familiar? And we're going to go to Genesis 3, 1 through 4. Find out where these lies come from. And now the serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Now the life starts in verse 1 when Eve is asked if God had said that they could not eat of every tree in the garden. That's not exactly what he said. But it was a half-truth, partial truth, with some things omitted. Eve's response shows the truth of what God said about it. And here we're going to jump back to Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the, of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat it, you will surely die. In the Septuagint it states that by death you will die. Um, much like when uh, Pastor Mark said earlier, when, when holy, 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 it, it gives a connotation that it's important. Same thing with this. Dying you will die. That's what the Hebrew says, basically, is dying you will die. It gives a connotation that beforehand they were not dying, but now they were dying. What the serpent said to them, you will not die. What God said to them, you will, you will die. So who do you believe in that one? So at this point right here, man was not meant to die. But after that point, we began to die and we began to grow old. Of course, this wasn't Satan's first lie. That one happened in heaven and that's a lesson for another time. So let us look at Psalms 12. Verse 8. Now I'm going to read the NIV first. Hmm. That was different than there. All right. So what it says up there on the board says, Who freely strut about when what is vile is honored by the human race. What the King James says and what your writing says. So uh, King James says, The wicked prowl on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. You remember Jeremy talking about that last week, that they were praising, they were honoring the lives that are out there. And this sounds familiar in today's society. So we're going to head on to chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. This is David's lament. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? 
How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? If you want to know what a lament is, that's a lament. Okay. David is feeling like he is forgotten by God. And sometimes we feel like God is not near us. And again, Jeremy talked about this last week. When we don't feel God there. And sometimes he wants us to love him unconditionally. Even when we do not feel him. Kind of like a marriage or, you know, being around family members. You love them. Sometimes you don't like them. Someone laughed. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? All right. So you remember uh, Jesus on the cross when he quoted Psalms 22. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And uh, so did, did Jesus really think that God had left him? Or was he on the cross and had so much sin heaped upon him that he couldn't feel God anymore? And sometimes we wonder that ourselves. Do we have so much sin on us that we're not hearing God? Or is he just saying, I want you to love me even if you don't feel me? And David continues explaining how God, to God, how the wicked people are acting. Remember in verse uh, 2 in chapter 12. And this one will be the NIV. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. That's a, that's a strong word. Everyone lies to their neighbor. Everyone. This last week, I was reading a news article about an Ivy League educated congressman who stated that modern science says that there are more than two sexes. In fact, that there are six. Now, does he really believe this? Or is he just lying to people? Yeah, you wonder. If he believes that there truly are six sexes, Harvard needs to give him his money back. You really do. Regular science shows there are two sexes. Scripture states there are two sexes. In fact, in Genesis 1.27, it states, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Looks like two to me. So how long before they start asserting that there is no God and try to force us to, to not worship to not worship openly or to make it a crime to even preach the word of God I'm up here going against the grain by saying there's two sexes how dare I there are already many who are trying to who are trying it but how long before they deem it necessary to force believers into hiding we say God is real they say he is not this leads me to chapter 14 verse 1 And these are strong words too. The fool says in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. This is the corruption of man. But we continue on in verses 3 and 4. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. 
There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. Now we're going to jump to Psalm 17, verses 10 and 12, 10 through 12. They close up callous hearts, and their mouths speak with arrogance. They have tracked me down and now surround me with eyes alert, with eyes alert to throw me to the ground. They are like a lion hungry for prey, like a fierce lion crouching in cover. These are the things that the wicked are doing. They have calloused hearts. They speak lies. They are arrogant, thinking that they know it all and that there is nothing that you can teach them. They are corrupt and seek to do evil in order to destroy others, especially if it advances their own lives and their own agenda. They seek to deceive others. They do not believe that God is real, and so the world revolves around them and their goals and nobody else. Remember when Jesus had to deal with people like that? In Matthew 15, 8 through 9, don't turn there, we're not going there. Jesus is quoting Isaiah 29:13. We are going there. And it says, The Lord says, These people come to, near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Later on in Matthew 15, now we're going there. Jesus tells us what it is to, in the hearts of men that come forth from their mouth. In 15, 18 through 20. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. The evil that David is encountering in Psalms are because of the evil that are in the hearts of men. Now we're going to jump to Jeremiah 17.9. And I warned you, we're bouncing back and forth. Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it indeed? God knows our hearts. He knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts. In Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, you're getting some exercise here, aren't you? For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I sat back there a while ago when Mark was doing his devotional. I'm like, well, if he's just going to preach, I might as well just sit back here. Because it's like everything I have in here, he was like, this is what we're going through. This is a verification from God that this is the route I needed to take. Last week when I was writing this sermon... I was wondering, Lord, is this the direction I need to go? Is this where I need to be? And we go to life group, 
And about four of the things that were mentioned in life group were in my sermon. So, so we see that, they, that we are in the Word of God. It can convict us of what is in our hearts. And this is what Mark talked about earlier. David is calling out to God to save him from those who want to persecute him. Now we're going back to Psalms 26.1. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in, in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. And David also asked God in Psalm 17, 1 and 2. Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips, let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. David is crying out, Lord, save me. Save me from the wickedness of men. Save me from those who seek to destroy me with the lies and, or through physical harm. Save me from this evil. Now the next passage sounds a bit like something Job might have said. And so we go to Psalms 26. This is the longest one we're doing. Verses 2 through 10. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. For I've always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. I do not sit with the, de with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I abhor assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands of, in innocence and go about your altar, Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all the wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty, in whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. Here David asked God to test him. Now we're going to go back to 17 where David states that he's already done so. So 17, 3 through 5. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. Uphold my steps in your paths that my footsteps may not slip. David asked to be tested, but many of us do not. We're afraid of it. We should be. But God does test us. In Luke 22, 20, 31 through 32, we see that the Lord said, this is Jesus talking, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Did y'all notice something in verse 32? Jesus was praying for Peter. The creator of the universe was praying for a man. He was praying for him that his faith would not fail. Because the answer was not no. 
when Satan asked to sift him? The answer was yes. He said, I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you come back, when you return to me, strengthen your brothers. Because he knew that Peter would seek Jesus after the test. Now back to David's writings, we see a consistent theme of David was to seek God and to praise him. In Psalms 12, 3 and 4, we see, May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things, who have said, With our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is the Lord over us? That's kind of an arrogant statement for them to say, isn't it? With our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? David asked them to cut off their flattering lips and their lying tongues. Which speak lies and words of arrogance. He asked God to kill them. David does not mince words here, does he? But how are we to act? David states in Psalms 26, 11... Bouncing back and forth. Hope you kept your fingers there. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be merciful to me. He is saying that he has integrity. And at the same time, he is asking God to cast down the wicked. But hear the words of David when he talks about God. Psalms 12, 6 through 7. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. Now we're going to Psalms 13, 5 through 6. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Now we're going to Psalm 17, 15. As for me, I will seek, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake in your likeness. And Psalms 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything belongs to God. David knew this. He was sad. He was lamenting. He'd even asked God to kill those people who were wicked. But he said, everything is yours, Lord. So David understands who God is and he trusts him. To bring all this bouncing around through six chapters for this past week, David is basically saying, Lord, save me from those who seek to destroy me. Lord, I trust you and I follow you. Lord, I see that you are righteous. Sometimes we might even say, that's us, especially me. Lord, save me from myself. Remember last week when Jeremy said that people fall away from God if they don't feel God anymore? Remember what he said about that? That God wants you to love him unconditionally? I think I said that already. And not just have feelings. Recall what I said earlier about Christ on the cross saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember that I wondered if Christ couldn't feel cross because of the, uh, couldn't feel God because of the amount of sin heaped upon him. 
There's a separation from God, and sin does that to us. Do you hear God? Do you feel the presence of God in your life? Or do you have so much sin in your life that you cannot hear the guidance of the Holy Spirit? I'm not saying that every time you cannot hear God that you are full of sin. But you need to examine your life, as Mark said during the devotional for the communion. Examine your life and see where you're at. Do not feel like you're alone in these experiences. In Romans 3.23, we see that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have been there at one time or another, so you're not alone in this. Also this past week, I read a news article. It stated that all 50 states have been asked to put white people last on the list for COVID vaccine. And 25 of those states have done so. However, 24 of these states have stated that it is because people of black, Hispanic, and Native American backgrounds are more likely to die from the virus. I have no issue with that. One state, however, said it was to enact equality. I have a problem with that. People who are high risk should be first on the list. That's my feeling on that. But you know who does not discriminate? Jesus. Jesus doesn't care who you are. Remember the song from our childhood? Jesus loves the little children. All the little children of the world. Red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. He loves us all. And we see that in John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus doesn't care about the color of your skin, what clothes you wear, how rich you are, or any of that stuff. And neither do we as believers. He cares about you and he loves you exactly where you are today. So we must do what David did in all these Psalms, and that is to seek God. So how is this possible? Now we go to Jeremiah 29:13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Proverbs 8:17 we see love I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. And Christ himself stated in Matthew 7:7 7, 7 and 8 Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. To find God, you must seek God. What if we are so bogged down in sin, we don't know what to pray? What if we're so distraught and heavy hearted that we don't know what to pray or how to pray? And all we do is just groan and cry. Anybody ever been there? Just me? Okay. Um, 
we go to Romans 8, 24 and 25. For we were saved in this hope. But the hope that we seen is not hope. For one does still hope for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with, all our, with perseverance. We are to seek perseverance. We are to hope with perseverance. We are to wait in perseverance. We are to persevere. David spoke his mind in his writings, but we cannot, if we cannot do it, we go to Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Y'all catching that? Christ prayed for Peter. The Holy Spirit prays for us. The creator of the universe prays for us. When we cry out, Lord, save me, and if that's all we can utter, then God still prays for us. He understands our hearts and understands where we're going. So how do you seek God? You pray. We pray continually to seek God. Scripture tells us to do this. I've went over that. So what do we do in this church? On Mondays, the elders pray for you. On Wednesday, there are prayer groups in the church at 6.30 p.m. who come here to pray. 6.30 a.m. the following morning, on Thursday mornings, we have a group of men who come in here to pray for each other and to strengthen one another. This coming Thursday, we have a National Day of Prayer, and at 7 p.m. at night, we are going to have this National Day of Prayer here inside this auditorium. Amistad Cristiana has a group that gets together and prays for their congregation and they pray for our congregation because we are one church. And if you would like to visit Amistad Cristiana, they meet right here in this auditorium at 5 p.m. on Sundays. And they would love to have you. Jose Luis was telling me that it's a bilingual service. And you are welcome to come. There's a prayer chain that David and Amy Shepherd run. But you can request prayers for anything. All you have to do is reach out. I'm sure there are other groups that are praying as well. The pastors pray for you. The teachers pray for you. The life group teachers pray for you, leaders. The elders will be down here after the service to pray for you today if you need anything to be prayed for. This is the prayingest church I have ever seen. And praise God for that. That we are not so arrogant that we're like, okay, we're holy. No, we go to the Lord in prayer and we seek Him diligently. The motto of this church, as Mark pointed out earlier, he must have read my sermon, is to love God, love God's people, and to love serving God. It's not just a motto in this church, it is a way of life. 
I hope you were able to see through all the bouncing around and how David treated his relationship with God. He went to God constantly. David is known as a man after God's own heart. Not because he didn't sin, because he did quite so frequently. Not because he wasn't angry or scared, but because he called on God continually and went to him for guidance. And when he messed up, he sought God out in repentance. He sought God out when he didn't feel God. He prayed to God and wrote songs of wonders and faithfulness of God to those who seek him. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the Psalms of David that show us that during times of trouble, we should seek you and you will provide us with peace. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who will help us in our weaknesses and will intercede for us. Thank you, Father, for the people here who continually seek you and are willing to pray for others who are hurting. And thank you for the peace you bring to us as we seek you. I ask that you will continue to work in our hearts so that we remember to seek you always and that when others see us, they will see your light shining in us and in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the blessing for you is thank you for coming. May the Lord bless you and keep you this week. And may you always continue to seek Jesus in your lives. God bless you and have a wonderful week.